With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to Parenting Your Challenging Child, post-election edition. (laughs) Um, Glad that's over with. And, um, well, glad that's over with. Um, (laughs) Stella, that sounds like you laughing from (laughs) way out there in one of the red states. I live in a blue state, and yet we seem to get along fairly well. Um, Maybe that's a message for everybody. How are you today? I'm doing great. And actually, I live in the only blue county in this red state. So we're known as the Little Balkans because we fight all the time. (laughs) Got it. How are you this morning? I am doing well. we are going to be missing Kim this morning because she's under the weather. I do not know if Jennifer is joining us this morning. Let me I get the call-in. Is. is she? Okay. The call-in number so. for those of you who might want to call in is 347-994-2981 and press the number 1 to get through. We have uh, a lot of emails in the queue. But as always, before we start, anything you'd like to say on general principles before we jump in? Um, Besides, I'm exhausted from last week. (laughs) In general, that was quite a wild ride. So I've been looking forward to hearing your summary of last week's events, Dr. Green. (laughs) Well, and I've been trying to stay away from politics. I don't know if, uh, although I think that um, collaborative and proactive solutions certainly has application to the fact that our politicians are, and our country, the United States, is very polarized (laughs) and having difficulty solving much of anything. So there's certainly a, um, a place for CPS I was um, watching one of the national news programs, and they were reading something from somebody who I believe writes for The Atlantic, and he or she was commenting on how there are so many things we disagree on, and we don't know how to reconcile those differences. And I was thinking, well, you know, on that point – I disagree completely. I think we do know how. Um, And (laughs) I think it's, I don't want to oversimplify things, but I think it's three steps. And 
It begins with listening to each other and identifying each other's concerns and moving mm-hmm. away from power uh, mm-hmm. as the primary currency. Um, and, you know, then yesterday I was listening to somebody else on the radio, a politician, and he was saying that votes are their primary currency. And while I understand that that is pretty much how democracy sort of works, I think it's about more than votes. It's about solving problems together and in ways that uh, work for all of us and make life better for all of us. I think that when it's just about getting people to vote for you, sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. And I think that's all I have to say about politics this morning. I hope that the um, transition from one national leader to another goes smoothly. There are signs to suggest that it may not. We'll find out. Right. Um, we will see. Right. Um, Thank you. <laughs> there's, there's, there's my thoughts right now. Perfect. There you have Thank it. You. Now, believe it or not, we already have a caller. And callers awesome. do take top priority on the program, and so... Area code 404, you are on the air, and I think you are calling from one of the states. Yes, you are calling from one of the states where this past presidential election was a big deal, and you all aren't done yet, the state of Georgia. How are you doing today? Hi, Dr. Green. <laughs> um, You've I got actually Stella am calling... with you, too. Oh, great, great. <laughs> um, I am actually, hi, uh, not calling from Atlanta. I'm calling from another state, but um, I just never changed my phone number when I moved from Atlanta. So. I, I got it, I got it. That's how people in Maine know that I'm not from Maine. Um, but keep going. <laughs> Oh, well, um, so I guess I'm calling in about my eight-year-old son, Um he uh, has always been kind of a spirited kid, um, but ever since the pandemic started, he's had a lot of um, what I think boils down to anxieties, um, which has really sparked a lot of behaviors um, and magnified a lot of his behaviors, but then also brought out a lot of defiant behaviors, um, which uh, we didn't really see the defiance as much in the past. It was more just um, behaviors that weren't always necessarily out of defiance. Um, But uh, one of them, uh, the biggest one, I guess, right now, Um, has been kind of revolving around sleep. Um, He's never had a hard time getting to bed outside of when he was an infant. Uh, He had colic and reflux in the first year of life and ear infections. And so the first year of life was terrible with sleep. Um, But outside of that, he kind of overcame that after the first year of life. and sleep was fine up until about six months ago. Um, Mm. And he's been kind of really um, kind of becoming very defiant at bedtime. He'll 
when it's time for bed, time to stay in bed, he kind of comes out and he'll make a really angry face and kind of start hitting at us. And um, so I kind of started plan B with him with that. Um, And that actually went over really well. Um, I've kind of attempted it multiple times. um, And every time it kind of boiled down to some sort of fear or anxiety, which we try to address. Um, And I think we've kind of overcame the anxiety part. But now it's kind of... um, evolved into something different he um now we're not as much dealing with the defiance but we're dealing with him being very slow um to get to bed um and he kind of struggles he's a very slow processor in general but um we tried to one of the things we're doing that he consented to mutually um, agreeable to us was we came up with a new bedtime routine and he was kind of in on the process of um, the different steps that he wanted in his bedtime routine and when he wanted to do them and what was a reasonable bedtime so he used to go to bed at eight or eight o'clock and we pushed it to 8.30, and that was something that we all agreed to. Well, now it's 8.30, and he's still not getting through all of the steps of his bedtime routine, and so it's getting pushed back to 9. So I guess I now I feel kind of stuck as to what to do next. Well, um, a few thoughts. Thought number one, there's no reason to really return to anxiety as a global issue. Mm-hmm. It may be true that he's globally a bit anxious, uh-huh. but you're not going to solve the problem of global anxiety through Plan B. Uh-huh. You're going to solve specific problems through use of Plan B. Uh And it sounds like you've already solved one, and that is that um, he was having difficulty going to bed. Mm -hmm. But now he's having difficulty getting to bed by a particular time Mm -hmm. or within a particular time frame. And so the unsolved problem has changed slightly. Quite frankly, it sounds like what's happened is First, he was being defiant. First, he was being anxious. Mm-hmm. Then he was exhibiting various behaviors, then defiance. Here's the deal on that. Um, all those behaviors are telling you the same thing, whether it's anxiety or defiance or whatever behavior. It's telling you, I'm having difficulty meeting that expectation. So mm-hmm. good to know that your son is predisposed towards anxiety and good to know now that if the problem that's causing him to be anxious doesn't get solved, he's actually capable of being defiant. But in the CPS territories, we don't view those as fundamentally different. They're both your son's way of communicating. I'm stuck. There's an expectation I'm having difficulty meeting. Now, it seems like the first problem was solved, although 
I'm open to the possibility that it may be not. So what you're getting now is not defiance. You're getting a very slow pace. Mm -hmm. I would rewrite the unsolved problem, difficulty, getting in bed by X time, if there is an X time. Mm -hmm. And that would be a slight modification to the original unsolved problem, which was just difficulty going to bed at night. Mm -hmm. And now you've got the empathy step waiting for you. And the empathy step's going to let you know, did we really solve the problem on the first go? Is there something else that's making it hard for him to get ready for bed at the speed at which you think he should be getting ready for bed? Um, am I making sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Sounds like um, you've got another plan B to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is... Um, is it typical for for the process to take a while for each unresolved problem? It can, and you um, sometimes the first solution that's uh, agreed upon between you and the child um, works almost like magic, and then other times it'll take multiple attempts. Um, and sometimes it has to do with um, the first the first couple of go-rounds with the empathy step. Um, the child may not fully articulate what the concerns are, and there's more digging to do. Um, and then as happens quite frequently, what seems like a mutually agreeable solution, um, within a day or two, the honeymoon period kind of wears off, and then it's no longer uh, working, so you have to go back back to the empathy step and, and uh, as Dr. Green recommended, reword, reword the, um, you know, the statement going into it. I am curious, did, did your son agree to the 8.30 bedtime when you all were doing the first collaborative? Yes, um, yes. That's what he wanted. Um, so we came up with different times for, him to have his bedtime snack, different time for him to take his shower, um, and then the bedtime. And those were those were the times he he agreed or we agreed to. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Green, would um, I noticed that you're having difficulty uh, sticking with the 8:30 bedtime these past couple of nights? What's up? Would that be? Sounds great. That's where okay. I can start, I think. Okay. So that's so very go back specific. to the empathy step. Go back to the empathy step, absolutely, because that's where, that's where the honest communication starts and the building of trust and, and uh, be really, really curious as to why PM sounded great to him and now it doesn't. Uh-huh. And let that go. Let that go as long as it needs to go. And getting, getting information from him. So okay. Drill it now, down. And uh, you asked if yeah. it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it can. The, the only, you know, sometimes it can take a little while for a to come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. It takes less time if you actually spend more time in the empathy step getting a really comprehensive sense of what's going on. 
because mm-hmm. if you address uh, so you never know how long it's going to take. What your son seems to be communicating, though, is I know we solved it a little, but I don't think we solved it all the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You've got another and, plan B to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my other question is I've been wanting to kind of start doing some plan B on other things that have been going on. Is that okay to get on another unsolved problem while we're kind of still working on this unsolved problem? Or should I wait? You can, you're never working on, the rule of thumb is you're never working on more than three at any given point in time. So you've got two to spare. But okay. we also don't want to. We also don't want to just go with some hard and fast number. So if you think mm-hmm. that um, your son has the bandwidth to focus on another thing, go for it. If you okay. think that you, your son's going to have difficulty focusing on another one until this one is pretty much done, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we'll go with your judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. My son couldn't well, take more than two at a time, so I I tip it. I got to the point where I was just working on one at a time. Less is more. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I have noticed that the empathy step has just been really helpful for him, um, even as kind of a de-escalation strategy um, when he gets in these really explosive moods. Um, and it's not like the emergency plan B, but just kind of being there and listening to him and saying, I see that you're really upset. I see that this is really hard for you. I'm, um, I'm sorry you're feeling this way. It's just, it's helped him. Um, Good. Just and, and here, know I that. do have one more question for you now that you've brought that up. Uh-huh. Have you yet made a list of his unsolved problems? Yes, yes. Good, because what you just said made it sound like there are times when you are surprised that he's in that frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a comprehensive list of unsolved problems, you shouldn't be surprised. Now, you haven't solved them all yet, so, and the unsolved ones, um, if you're using plan C and you're removing the expectation, then the mm-hmm. ones you haven't prioritized shouldn't be causing challenging episodes anymore because you've removed the expectation. So I just want to make sure that you have your list, that you've set your priorities, and that the expectations, the unsolved problems you've decided, we're not working on that one right now, so we've removed that expectation. Want to make mm-hmm. sure you've done that too, because if you're getting surprised, that's a good reason to go back and look at those things. People who get surprised often haven't made their list yet and or haven't prioritized yet, and so they may not be getting the full benefit of the list or the full benefit of plan C. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess one of them in particular uh occurs when um 
he's playing with his younger sister, and they clash. And so um, I guess that's one that I don't really know how to get rid of that um, or take that problem away and maybe, like, um, put it in the plan C because it involves his sister and I can't keep them separated all the time. I try to, but um, when I know that they're kind of in their moods, um, but that's one thing, one um, situation where uh, sometimes these explosive outbursts will come out. Um, so you've got two options there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stella. How, I'm just curious as to how old the younger sibling is. They're pretty close in age. Uh, his younger okay. sibling is six. Um, okay. So eight and six. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Go ahead, Doctor. So, Green. Mom, you, you've got two options. One is that's your next plan. That's your that's your second unsolved problem that you got to work on. Mm-hmm. The other is this. You, part of plan C is coming up with an interim plan. It's basically saying we're actually not going to work on this one right now, but we need to come up with a plan for what things are going to look like until we work on it. And mm-hmm. right now, it sounds like the person who's responsible for keeping the kids separate is you, especially if you notice that they're in a mood. Mm-hmm. But there's also the potential for saying to them together, you know what, uh, we're working on a few other things right now. I don't really want to work on this one yet, but we do need to figure out how to um, make it so that what things are going to look like until we do have a chance to work on it. And I'm thinking that what it could look like is for you guys just to not play with each other until we have a chance to solve whatever the problem is that's causing you to guys to get into it when you're playing with each other. What do you think of that as an interim plan? And I'm, this is what I'd be saying to the kids until we can get around to solving that problem. And now it's not completely on you and mm-hmm. you've got a plan in place. Um, you haven't imposed the plan. They're agreeing to it. You haven't solved the problem because it's still not solved. That wasn't plan B that I just uh, elucidated. That was plan C. You're coming up with an interim plan. What should we do until we're ready to start working on that problem? And now here's what might happen. They both might look at you and say, well, why don't we work on it now? Mm-hmm. Or they might say, I don't know if that interim plan's going to work, Mom, but how about this? So – That's a plan for keeping them apart, which really isn't solving the problem of what happens when they play together. Mm -hmm. But I would hate to see you be the only person who's on the hook for keeping them apart when they're in a mood, when you could actually enlist them, believe it or not, in plan C to come up with a plan until we can get around to working on that problem. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that – they often fight over is their toys and Mm -hmm. they both like Legos and they have their own different Lego sets. And often they like to 
bring them into the den and play together, but then pieces get mixed, even when we try to separate areas of the room and one of them touches one of her Lego sets and it's a huge <laughs> meltdown. So we, <laughs> I made a Lego area for them both in their rooms to keep their Legos and the rule has been that anything in the den is fair game. So if they don't want their sibling playing with their toys and it needs to go into their room. Um, and so my son, he will sometimes like, he'll forget to bring his Lego set into his room and mm -hmm. my daughter will come and touch it. And then he'll have, you know, he'll be getting really upset and she'll be getting really upset because she wants to play with it. And then, uh, yesterday, I guess he grabbed the toy and then ran and put it in his room. Um, so, so I, I guess ideally I would like it if they could just both play separately in their own rooms. But one of the things right now is they're both afraid to be alone. Um, mm -hmm. that's another fear, right. um, that they've been experiencing. And so they don't want to play alone in their rooms. They want to be in the den together and where I can see them and I can't be in two places at once. So the den kind of makes sense, but I guess I just don't really know how to, um, how to help with that. Um, there, it's called Plan B. It's three uh, steps, <laughs> and I, they're going to they're going to help you a lot. The, the thing that I'm mostly hearing is that it sounds like you're taking a lot of responsibility for trying to figure out how to solve these problems. Your job is to facilitate solutions. The, the problem at the moment is that while they seem to agree that anything in the uh, den is fair game. Your son is leaving stuff in there that he's forgetting that he doesn't want those things to be fair game. That's a problem that you guys could solve um, together. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there's no reason for you to feel like you're the person who has to come up with all of these solutions. Mm -hmm. um, let's engage them. Let's find out what's really going on, what their concerns are. And I think they are going to surprise you with just how many great ideas they can come up with. And then you won't have to be the one coming up with all the great ideas anymore. Mm -hmm. Are you um, on Facebook um, a, a member of the B team by any chance? Yes, actually. Yeah, I am. Awesome. Um, I will work on crafting a post describing how I started basically serving as a moderator and teaching my sons to have plan B conversations with each other at the dining room table. Um, oh. I, I know that this has been posted about in the B team. So you might do a B team search with siblings, plan B siblings. Um, but I'll, I'll work on a post where I'll just outline um, how I got that started. And from that moment on, as Dr. Green was saying, I did not put myself in the center of finding solutions for them but rather I was there in between them facilitating the empathy step, both sides of it, and then um, facilitating 
options for solutions. Oh, so okay. That's, yeah, yeah I, you're, I think that you're going to really enjoy it if you can get to the point where you're, you're listening to them empathize with each other and mm-hmm. how that conversation unfolds. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't really think about having them kind of problem solve together, but that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You've got your you've got your work cut out for you. Feel free to call in next month and let us know how it's going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you both very much. You bet. Thanks for thank calling. Thank you. In. Thanks. Um, very interesting. Uh, we thank yeah. that mom for calling in. We don't have any other callers right now. I'm actually not going to give the call a number again because I want to get to some of these emails because okay. we've got quite the queue here, and I don't want to make too many people wait yet another month to get answers to their questions. So I'm going to jump in with email, if that's okay with you. Perfect. All right. This first one says, I discovered Dr. Green and the Lives in the Balance work through my parenting class, Positive Parenting Solutions, and have really benefited it from the podcasts and resources you offer. Thank you. I have a five-year-old son who hits pushes his classmates at school. He also calls names. Okay, those are his behaviors. Those are his signals, as we call them. I've gone through the ALSIP with some success. He struggles mostly during recess. So our ALSIP and subsequent drilling has sounded something like, I've noticed you struggle to get along with your classmates during recess. Your teacher says that you work well with your classmates during specials, art, math, music, gym. What's the difference? He explained that he likes the games they play in gym but that recess doesn't have games. He came up with a solution to initiate a game of tag at recess. He also explained that he likes specials because it's small groups. So small groups and games, great, getting somewhere. He has had improvement, and his teacher reported recently that he did initiate a game of tag, but still he almost daily has some incident at school of pushing or name-calling. I obviously can't control the environment throughout his day at school to have him in small groups playing games all the time. Given that he has identified his needs but lives in a world that can't always accommodate those needs, what suggestions do you have to help him come up with more solutions during those times of difficulty? Thanks for any input you can provide. All right. Um, Stella, you want to weigh in on this first or you want me to go? You go, please. All right. Here's the thing. The unsolved problem um, is difficulty getting along with your classmates during recess. He likes the games they play, but in recess they don't have games. Um, He's initiating a game of tag at recess. But here's the deal on that solution. That doesn't mean that the other kids are going to go along with him. And... I don't know if that's all of his concerns. So I can't tell from this message whether there's more to it than that. Whenever we have a solution that isn't working, and we know it's not working because the teacher is reporting, that he almost daily has some incident at – oh, 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 not at recess. He's initiated the game of tag, but he almost daily has some incident at school of pushing or name-calling. So here's the deal. Pushing and name-calling are just signals. 
it is entirely possible that our five-year-old lad has many unsolved problems at school and not just during recess. We need a more comprehensive list of unsolved problems if he's pushing and name-calling in places other than recess, then we have other problems that need to be solved. Apparently, this five-year-old boy is a pusher, name-caller. That's how he signals that he is having difficulty or struggling. But he may have more than one unsolved problem. In fact, I would bet the house on that. We need a list. Um, now, if the, un if the solution to recess wasn't working... We'd have to go back and revisit it, apparently. And so that it doesn't actually say that. I misinterpreted it. But if him initiating a game of tag at recess wasn't working, then we'd have to go back to that unsolved problem to see if there were any other concerns besides the fact that they play games everywhere else, but not at recess. Now, to the second part of this message. No, you cannot control the environment throughout his day at school. No, you cannot have him in small groups playing games all the time. But by, you've only done plan B on this once, it sounds like. I don't want to read too much into the message, but one plan B is not an incredible problem solver going to make. This has to be sort of a way that we do things over time. And if we're doing this over time... We're actually not asking the world to accommodate his needs. We are helping your son get good at figuring out what his concerns are and figure out how to come up with solutions so that those concerns and the concerns of the other party get addressed. So we don't want to misinterpret plan B as all we're doing is accommodating his needs. Truth is, we don't even talk about needs in the CPS model. We talk about unsolved problems, we talk about concerns related to those unsolved problems, and we talk about solutions, not needs. Um, we're not accommodating his needs. We're helping him get good at something that he seems to not be very good at, problem solving, and managing his emotional response to frustration. That's why he's pushing, kidding, and name-calling and with a lot of practice with plan B, he'll get good at dealing with frustration and he'll get good at solving problems. And I would predict that you're going to see a significant decrease in the hitting, pushing, and name-calling in response to problems moving forward with enough practice because he'll know how to do it. Stella, any further thoughts on that? Just a little bit. I um, I was reminded as you were talking about the fundamental underlying sort of linchpin to CPS um, from my point of view is the building the skills that are required to be able to be in a world <laughs> that won't necessarily accommodate an individual um, openly, um, as openly as we'd like to. So building the skills, what, what skills does he have in place that allows him to be successful in small groups, take a notice of those, and work from that angle towards what skills he's needing 
to work on when he's not in small groups. Um, so I, I remember, Dr. Green, you pointing out at one time when, when my kids were younger about, like, take a look at, at when things are going well, <laughs> what, what skills do the kids have in place? and then work towards helping them develop those so that they're consistent throughout. That's all I got. Got it. Well, we hope that's helpful to our mom. Let's turn to another email. We're, we're, we're going to – this is – I don't remember what they call it in Jeopardy, but um, – or whatever game that was when you – maybe it was the match game when you're speeding up. We're going to speed up. Here we go. Speed round. Okay. <laughs> Speed round, that's what it's called. This is from a dad. I was wondering how your method applies to learning disabilities. My son just finished a psychoeducational assessment where we were told he was either on the spectrum or intellectually disabled. Hmm. Well, that's... <laughs> I'm not laughing. Oh, I'm, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because that didn't really clarify things very well, it sounds like, but... The problem is that during the testing, my son was not engaged in the questions. It was not that he did not know the answers. It was, for the most part, that he did not seem to want to answer them. He could not sit still and pay attention, which I attributed to his extreme anxiety. Despite our concerns about his lack of engagement and its effect on the results, the psychologist insisted that this was not the issue. I truly believe the results would have been different if he had been engaged in the questions. I realize I may be a parent in denial, but I question the results because I have seen how he can perform when he, was calm, when he is calm and regulated. At times, he really surprises my wife and me with his answers and observations. We cannot simply dismiss the knowledge he shows at home. Uh, I think what you are doing here is amazing. You are truly saving children's lives. Thanks for your advice. First of all, thanks for your kind feedback. Uh, now let's jump in. Um, boy. I don't know yeah. that we have enough information about what the assessor thought of your son to weigh in. Yeah. But what we have here is a clear case of a dad and mom, it sounds like, uh, or parents who don't agree with what the evaluator found. Now, the part of this that's interesting is um, he cannot sit still and pay attention. Why that is another, is another question, whether that's anxiety or basic inattention, the sort of which we might see in ADHD or something else that could cause a kid to look inattentive. Mm -hmm. um, if the evaluator agrees that your son was having difficulty sitting still and paying attention, then that is something that needs to be answered in the evaluation. What, what, what do we make of that? What's going on there? Um, there's lots of kids on the spectrum who are able to sit still and pay attention. There are lots of kids, I don't know what intellectually disabled means. It's not specific enough. Truth is being on the spectrum isn't specific enough either. Okay. So um, it's the job of the evaluator to answer questions related to a kid's performance on this evaluation. The evalu what I often say to people is, yes, the test scores sometimes give us information, but a lot of the most valuable information comes from the observations of the person doing the evaluation. So 
the psychologist who did the evaluation seems to disagree. First of all, if a kid is not engaged, that is going to affect their test scores. Right. So I guess the question for the evaluator is, first of all, did the evaluator agree that the boy was disengaged? That would affect the test scores, no doubt about it. Did the evaluator agree that your son was disengaged? And therefore, um, and if so, how does the evaluator explain the lack of engagement? And let's see if you can get satisfactory answers to those questions. Truth is, I don't know who did this evaluation or whether this was self-pay or done by a school system. Either way, you are the consumer. If it was done by a school system, you have the right to an independent evaluation if you disagree with the findings. And if this was self-pay, you obviously have the right to go to a different evaluator. But in your short email, your, your short email actually raises a lot of questions, but not enough detail for me to answer in a particularly explicit way, but I hope the information that I gave is at least sort of helpful. Stella, I know that your son had lots of evaluations, some better than others. I bet you've got some opinions here, too. Yes. Oh, my goodness, especially when he was in public school. Some of those evaluations were, it, it, it got, you know, like you said when you were chuckling, <laughs> It's not like it's a funny chuckle, right? It's like, oh, my gosh. I will never forget one of the last school evaluations that my son had his freshman year of high school was um, the day after he had been restrained in a small office and put into basically a closet to serve as a calm-down space. Um, And then that's the room that was chosen for this, interview (laughs) with a uh, BCBA and so he the very next day goes into the same room where he was restrained and isolated and there's a table with a test or papers for for questions and he knows exactly what's coming down the pike and it's a brand new person he's never seen before so he was defiant as all get out and the results of this evaluation were not in line with what she was there to evaluate. It was just basically listing out in how many different ways he was defiant. And then with her recommendations, and I was livid because who would professionally step into an atmosphere where the child is obviously ill at ease and think that you're going to get accurate information from them? They're just communicating to you, I don't have the bandwidth right now. I don't have what it takes do this right now and there needs to be flexibility from the evaluator in supporting the child and if that means rescheduling so be it so dad we hope we hope some of that was helpful um just not quite enough details for us to weigh in on the quality of the testing and Um, what explains some of the things that you were seeing and that you disagree with the evaluator on. The first thing I would do is, and it sounds like you have tried already, is discuss that with the evaluator. 
But if that does not bear fruit, the next step is to seek some sort of an independent evaluation. On that note, we are through for the day. Stella, thanks so much for joining in, as always, and for your sage wisdom and experience. Oh. Uh, you know, we'll be you back have to again. work on your, your speed round skills. You're, you didn't do very well with speed round. <laughs> no, I did not. Well, we try to answer each of them as thoroughly as possible. I know. We will, back, we, we, we will be back next week, hopefully with everybody healthy. Um, let's call it a day, and we will... Uh, Talk again next month. Take care, everybody. Hey, see you at Summit. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.